Welcome to the Palace Capital Advisors webcast series. Today we're going to talk about the outlook for interest rates, inflation, and the implications for the stock and bond markets. I'm Rich Mullen, one of the managing partners here at Palace Capital. I'm joined by Steve Kylander, Senior Portfolio Manager, and Mark Bogar, our Chief Investment Officer. We're at the halfway point here in 2023. The equity markets have rallied on the year and the economy has been better than expected. However, the Federal Reserve is not done raising interest rates in our opinion and inflation is still above trend. So in today's market update, we will discuss trends in the economy, inflation interest rates, and the implications for the stock and bond markets. You can expect to hear what has driven the market thus far in 2023 and our economic outlook, as well as how we are positioning portfolios and the actions we're taking. So let's get started here. Mark, can you give us an overview of the second quarter here and what the drivers were? Sure, absolutely. So for the second quarter and year-to-date, stock markets have been very strong, as you mentioned, Rich. The S&P 500 was up 16.9% on the year. NASDAQ was up over 30%. International markets were also up double digits. So very strong start to the year. This is driven by a couple things. First is expectations were very low coming into the year. Remember 2022? Yeah, very difficult year across the board in stocks and bonds. Expectations were that earnings were going to get cut by quite a bit coming into 2023. That actually, in fact, did not happen. Earnings were still down year over year, but better than expected. So when earnings are better than expected, that really helps out stocks. So that was number one. And number two was that sentiment. When sentiment's very negative, then, then valuations are a little bit cheaper, a little bit more attractive. So when stocks come in or earnings come in better than expected, stocks can have a chance to rally. So that's very positive. One thing that's on the more interesting side is that the rally has been very narrow in the sense that the top stocks have very much done the best. So think about the Microsoft, Googles of the world, the AI-driven names have really driven the market higher where some other stocks have been left behind. And so that's one area of concern that we've been looking at in the market. But net-net has been a very good start to the year on the stock side. That's great. Let's shift gears here a little bit and talk about the bond market and implications of interest rates on the bond market. Uh, Steve, you want to add something there? Sure. So the uh, the bond market really has been driven by by two things. It's been driven by where the expectations for Fed fund rates are going to be going. And coming into the year, there was an expectation that we probably were going to have a recession in 2023. On that basis, it was expected that the Fed might actually be cutting rates as we move through 2023. And in fact, they seem to be embarking on the opposite right now, still with a few uh, few rate increases left to go for this year. So that really sort of had a, you know, a market difference in terms of returns in the bond market with positive returns late in 2022 and through uh, 2023's first quarter. And uh, as it became clear that the Fed was not going to cut rates in 2023, bond market has pulled back. Now, you know, there's been some difference, you know, differentiation there, shorter duration. We've seen yields go up, you know, so it's been great for, you know, shorter duration money market type of accounts. Uh, but longer duration assets, you know, particularly those that have uh, more than 10 years to maturity, we've seen those pull back the most during the second quarter. Let's move on to the macroeconomic outlook here and why some of this is unfolding here, why rates are, you know, kind of trending a little higher here in the near term and what uh, the drivers are, I guess, going forward for the economy. Mark? I mean, I'll kick it off. Yeah. So they think inflation is the key number one variable to watch, that that is what the Fed has been fighting all along with these rate increases. The old don't fight the Fed. Well, if the Fed's trying to fight inflation, they're taking rates higher, that by definition, they're not going to stop until the economy starts to slow down and that inflation number starts to come down. So that's the key number that we're watching. And so as we've seen, the headline inflation number actually come down. The core inflation number has stayed more stubbornly high. 
So that's been a concern. Probably there's some potential reasons, technical reasons for that. But net-net, the economy is still as strong. And so inflation, that core inflation has stayed higher, which has emboldened the Fed to still talk about doing two more rates on top of what they've done, two more rate increases on top of what they've done already. So we're really watching that. That's been a concern as rates have started to tick back up again. On the other side of that, we're seeing some near-term real data where inflation is actually coming down. So used car pricing has actually come down. Um, you've seen other parts of the economy, you've seen goods really start to sell off. You've seen credit card delinquencies rise. So you're seeing some real-time data of weakness in the economy, yet some of the headline inflation numbers are still strong. So that's what part of the market is struggling with today. I don't know if you have different thoughts on that or other things you want to add to that part of the discussion. Yeah, Steve, talk a little bit about, we were just talking about the perhaps the distortion caused by the stimulus and maybe that, you know, this has kind of prolonged the economic strength and sure. how that may, you know, ultimately uh, play out. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you think of the dual mandate that the Fed has, there's also the employment picture. And I think if we think about where we are right now, employment's still very strong. Unemployment's still at record lows. We're seeing a slowdown in job growth, but it's still, still very strong. And I think what that's allowed is for companies to raise prices or to have passed along that inflationary pressure in the last year, 18 months, through in prices. And, you know, it, as Mark mentioned, perhaps we're getting a little long in the tooth in that now. We're both seeing fewer, you know, job growth slowing down, but it hasn't broken. But there may be a, you know, a period here where price increases are no longer able to be taken, which, which that in itself would slow economic growth. Yeah. I think we talked about this too earlier in a conversation today that historically when the Fed embarks on a, a rate hiking cycle, you know, the rule of thumb is 12 to 18 months before you see the impact of that kind of roll through into the economy. And, you know, one of the things that we touched on was the possibility that because of the distortion and the magnitude of the stimulus, that those numbers may be pushed out, right? So it's not 12 to 18 months, maybe it's, you know, 24 months before we see that. And as you pointed out, markets, we're starting to see some cracks here and there. And I think, you know, given the magnitude and the pace of these rate hikes, um, it's it's probably um, somewhat of a foregone conclusion. And, and I think you touched on this, Steve, that we're at least going to see a slowdown, if not an outright recession. And, and the depth of that recession could be shallow if it is, in fact, a recession. But, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on that in terms of, you know, this rate hike cycle and, and the backdrop of the stimulus maybe pushing this out a bit? And I definitely agree that we haven't seen the impact of it yet. And that's that timings. There's always averages, right? But I think given the unprecedented nature of what happened during COVID, that it could easily extend longer. And why we may not have seen things yet, say, think about even the housing market where mortgage rates have gone up by quite a, a bit, but that also is locking people into their homes. There's no inventory. So houses aren't turning over. So prices are staying high, but that market's kind of locked. When that fully unlocks, you may see prices start to fall. Or think about the commercial real estate market, going back to the Silicon Valley banks of the world. Some of these regional banks have very high exposure to commercial property. A lot of that has to get refinanced this year. And so there could be repercussions as that refinancing comes through. So it just may be too early that we haven't seen it yet. So we're definitely in the camp that some of these things will come to fruition. Uh, student loan payments, uh, student loan repayments are going to start again as well. So there's a lot of things that are going to be drags in the economy going forward that we don't think we've seen the full extent of it yet. So we want to be prepared for that and not just think, oh, everything's okay because the market's up this year. Yeah, that's a really good point on the um, housing. Yeah, no, I think uh, I would love to just add to that a little bit because, you know, there's different aspects of what we see. One of the things that we get access to or hear a lot about are what companies are actually doing, particularly on their balance sheets. And an area that uh, you know is very well worth watching is what are they doing with their inventories? 
And companies are bringing down inventories now where before they were concerned about shortages with COVID. They're now drawing those down and not replenishing them. So I think that's an indication that, you know, companies themselves that make goods and products are seeing that supply chain loosen up to a degree that's going to take some of the pressure off of pricing, uh, but also probably augments, uh, you know, you know, slower growth as we move forward here. Yeah, I think those are great points. Let's pivot just here a little bit um, before we go to what we've done in the portfolio and our outlook and so on. And just talk a little bit about earnings because earnings drives the market, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to pick that one up, Mark, on, in terms of where we've been? Sure. So certainly where we've been is the expectations that we've mentioned earlier were for, for even more negative earnings revisions. That did not come through. I think what we're seeing is that the economy has been stronger and companies have been managing the issues around inflation. So what does that mean? So companies have been raising prices. That's been able to be net positive for margins. So they've been able to manage that sales because the consumers are still spending, volumes have not been hit too much by the rise in prices either. So earnings have been pretty good throughout this. And as we've seen, we're about to come up on our next earnings season, so I'll have much more detail on this in about a month. But what we've seen over the last two, three months is also think about the breakdown of the S&P 500 and the particular companies that are in there. If you think about you know technology, for instance, being the biggest part of the index, well, stocks like Microsoft are a little less cyclical. So they're attached to AI, they're attached to cloud, they're attached to gaming. Those earnings, underlying earnings, are still going to be strong even in a bit of a slowdown. Now, maybe a Home Depot that's caught up in housing, that might be a little bit weaker. But some of that goods part of the economy has been weaker, and we've seen that come through. But services have been strong, technology has been strong, and those have been the earnings that have held in, that have held, held the market earnings together. Yeah, we should have mentioned, too, before we pivoted off inflation, we have an inflation number coming out this week. So mm. hold your breath, right? We'll yes. have to see what that uh, what exactly. that portends. Exactly. All right, well, let's pivot then now and talk about the portfolio outlook and portfolio actions that we've done here. And what are we looking at now in terms of changes here in response to what we've just talked about? Sure, I'll kick it off. So we've had performance has been very good this year. What we've done, though, is because performance is good, let's take some of those gains and redistribute them throughout the portfolio. So meaning let's trim some equities. Equity has been quite strong. We believe that on average over time, you have your asset allocation. So when one asset class outperforms, you want to trim that and put that back to your other asset class. So in this case, trim some equities, put that back into bonds. Then even under the covers and with bonds yielding higher yields today, it's even more attractive opportunity to go do that today. Then within the equity portfolio, we can even take a little bit of risk off. So net-net technology, again, had risen by quite a bit. So let's go ahead and trim that and put that back into more defensive-type sectors like utilities, consumer staples, healthcare. So some laggards in the market, but also parts of the market that I think will be sustained throughout a potential downturn. Because we do still think we're going to get, whether you call it a slowdown, mild recession, we think that's still in front of us. And so we're also generally underweight consumer. So we do think the consumer will have to slow down here at some point. So let's be underweight the consumer stocks. Let's be a little bit more defensive and take advantage of what's happened in equity markets for what's going on here today. I don't know if you want to touch on maybe the fixed income side of the portfolio. Sure. So I think, you know, the fixed income, it's an eventuality that rates are going to come down lower. You know, the question is trying to get the timing right. So I think we've tried to be, you know, relatively balanced. We've been increasing duration gradually as the year has progressed. And I think our perspective is we'd like to, you know, continue to do that, you know, as time goes by. But short-term yields are still still remaining very attractive, and the Fed has not cut rates yet, and they're still expecting to increase them. So, and we have some time, but you know, longer term here, you know, medium term, we want to sort of increase that duration and get some capital appreciation opportunity as well as lock in the uh, the higher yields for the longer term. 
Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we've done on the yield side of the portfolio or fixed income is we've entered the private credit market and real estate, private real estate, and so on. There's been some great yields there and great returns and some, you know, defensive nature to that. What have we done on the on the private side recently? Yeah, well, I'll take that. I mean, the private side is interesting because the loans that are made within the private side, banks, banks are having very high cost of capital now. So they've been pulling back and lending. The lending has to move somewhere. The lending's been moving to the private side where they have more permanent capital. The other aspect is the the terms within private credit, they tend to be floating rate loans. So they've actually been a beneficiary as rates have gone up. They're able to, you know, to, you know, increase the interest, you know, that they're receiving from the companies. Now you can only do that so far. I mean, there was concern that you know, with a, you know, if the economy was to go in the recession and interest rates were very high, these companies would be under stress. But what's actually working out this year is that it's much more likely that we're going to have a slowdown or just shallow recession and not a, a deep recession. So, you know, the concerns about credit risk have been somewhat mitigated within the private credit side. So, you know, private lending is doing really well on both sides of, you know, both sides of the equation, both from a credit standpoint as well as from a, a spread standpoint and being able to enjoy the higher interest rates. And on the real estate side, we did trim that um, recently. So, yeah. I mean, that was just out of, you know, I think kind of where that market ran, right? I mean, we'll yeah. talk about that just for a second before we yeah. wrap so, up. So big picture, real estate is a very good inflation hedge over time and does throw off cash flow. But that was also well recognized throughout 2021, especially 2022, as real estate appreciated, yet the rest of the public markets fell, given what happened last year. So we thought it was an opportunistic time to, all right, let's take a little bit off the real estate market. Cap rates had gotten too low. So cap rates then, when cap rates rise, the interest rates associated with real estate, that can hurt valuations. So with the interest rates rising, think, okay, now's the time. Let's take a little bit off the private real estate market. Put that back into public markets. Let's relatively maintain our private credit exposure. Because as Steve went through, it's a pretty attractive part of the market right now, earning much higher yields for clients. But that's another part of the asset allocation. It's trim real estate when it was strong, put it back into other parts of the market. Yeah, in- incrementally as well on the real estate side, we were able to take advantage of a little bit of the arbitrage last year. Private markets held in reasonably well, but we've been trimming the privates and actually we're able to increase uh, some positions in public real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, which reacted much more negatively and can be very targeted in that multifamily storage, uh, industrial properties. And, you know, they're actually performing quite well this year in a year where the real estate is otherwise getting very negative headlines. Yeah, that worked out really well. Thank you, Mark and Steve, for your thoughts and taking the time to watch and listen. Keep an eye out for our next podcasts and webcasts and have a great day. Thank you very much.